0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter. That is Connor, and we are going to talk about Twin Peaks: The Return, Part Eleven. Full spoilers for the episode, as always. Well, <laughs> we opened last week's uh, discussion by saying, yeah, it was good th- things to like in last week's episode, but it was possibly the weakest you know that we'd had so far. It was you know just slightly underwhelming, I, I guess. Is how yeah, it plays definitely. It. It-, it wasn't
1: bad, but it would just come to expect a bit more.
0: Five. It may not have been five minutes, but like a couple of minutes into this, it was like, oh, oh, this feels, oh, there's this, this stuff happening here. And then it was basically non stop the entire episode. This was outside of episode eight. If episode eight didn't exist and, you know, blew my freaking mind, this would probably be the best one so far.
1: I'd have to think about it. It's definitely
0: up there. I don't. I don't know. If That's say fair. That but I. I was really into this episode. Uh, oh I no, know.
1: I was too. But there's been a lot of ones that I was really into. Oh sure, so.
0: sure. But I just <laughs> in a number of ways, there's a lot of really interesting things that happened for me in terms of characters. There's a lot of interesting, obviously, lore stuff and mythology and greater things yeah, going yeah. on and all all kind of shenanigans. Uh, so we'll get into it. I got my notes as we do. I got four pages this week for those who. have...
1: Keeping
0: track. Mm, I've got uh, one, two, three, uh, got about six. Shorter, so minus slightly smaller. Uh, we go through this every week. I've got an A4 pad. Yeah. He has an A5 pad. <laughs> That's, uh, so, sure. Uh, I, I don't uh, know.
1: <laughs> it it doesn't say on the front. I thought it would tell me.
0: Is it is it like that? Is it about that size?
1: You know, I can just hold it up, can't I?
0: <laughs> it's about it's a bit that size. It's about A5, it looks about
1: A5. That'll do. Solved.
0: <laughs> Alright, now we've solved that, let's get into Twin Peaks, the uh, the return part 11. Uh, first up, just, uh, i like to try and bring up some points from last week, if anyone, you know, sometimes in the comments people point out some cool stuff, or uh, and I don't always remember all of them, but uh, one thing I'd like to bring up, last week we talked about Chad intercepting the letter from Miriam. Who, of course, was yes. the witness to Richard's crime and was attacked at the start of the episode. Um, a lot of eagle-eyed people noticed that that was actually the wrong letter. The last name was different uh, from the, the the surname in the credits. So, okay. So Chad shit at doing his his pretty job. Yeah. I, I'm
1: going to say in in our defence for not spotting it. I don't think Miriam's name had been said out loud.
0: Oh no, I don't think I don't think her last name had been said out loud. I think it was just people were, being yeah, very yeah. you know, being eagle-eyed and looking at the credits. But, uh, so. Yeah, actually, so one of the things that uh, people also uh, someone suggested in the comments was that they didn't think the uh, the trailer was actually going to blow up because of the you know because because there was still airflow you know there was oh, yeah, he smashed the window didn't he Yeah, like they think oh that probably won't ignite and that's a fair point. Uh, we never mentioned that last week, and sure enough, first thing that happens this week is uh, we have some kids out playing you know playing catch or whatever, and Miriam comes crawling out the woods a bloody mess, so. There's no more development on that in this episode, but just needless to say, this yeah. is going to be something that comes up. She is alive, is the point. She's alive, yes. In great pain, but alive nonetheless. Um, my only other thought during this scene, and this has really nothing to do with Twin Peaks specifically, is just that I respect the camera operator during this scene because he was following the ball back and forth and he was keeping it in frame the entire time. And as someone yeah. who's tried to do that with a camera, and like not a ball specifically, something that's slower, something that's even easier to do, it's really difficult to actually keep it in frame and have the speed correct so i i commend the cameraman that took a lot Especially of practice.
1: When, when, you know when it's it's kids throwing it you can't guarantee how hard they're gonna throw that ball ah uh, yeah sure sure sure
0: and when i say practice i don't i mean i'm sure they practiced that a little bit on set but i just mean the operator is very well seasoned in his job he knows how to time things yeah because it correctly. was flawless because even even doing it with a person just walking from left to right is actually harder than you'd think it would be when you're yeah. behind the camera. So. Uh, I commend, I commend the operator. Uh, I, uh, my, my only thing was, I like that the, I didn't notice it before. The trailer park was called
1: Fat Trout. Just give me, I thought it was a cool name for a trailer park.
0: I don't think it means anything, but I, I agree. It, it, it probably doesn't. Yeah. But I was just like, no, oh, that's cool. There we go. Um, what I think is really interesting about the, the next couple of scenes uh, is that I've got. You know, I usually have a header for a scene, and then and then I just you know have notes for the scene. Then I'll move on to a new header. I didn't really have that for like the next chunk. I had just as one big because it was all continuous and cutting between things. It was probably the first yeah. time this season where I felt like it was cut, intercutting a lot of things together like this, where it was all building towards the same. Yeah,
1: I think the closest before that was you know where the the, the hit and run on the kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But this was a bit more direct.
0: Yeah, this was more energetic because it was like one scene affected the other and caused the other to happen, and then they all yeah. kind of built on from each other. So basically, Becky is on the phone with someone, and we we find out later that whoever's on the phone is telling her of uh, of Steve, shitty Steve, or or well, it turns out to be her husband. We didn't know they were married. I don't think before this episode. Uh, but i was not aware no no um but she she finds out that she's he's having an affair over the phone I'm like, oh, <laughs> just like her mother <laughs> so 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 many things um but she, first of all she gives out a great scream which i thought was particularly good but then she's very frantic she then phones phones shelly phones her mother and says she needs a car she makes it sound like it's an emergency because she just frantically says steve steve yeah. i need the car
1: yeah at first i was writing down that she needs to help steve yeah like that that was the kind of the way she was playing
0: it I, I, th- I think i think the first time i watched it, i did maybe think that because that's the way it kind of played until she went for the gun and i went oh no oh no!" yeah, yeah that, that's what i've <laughs>
1: got i've got she needs to help i did put question mark steve and then and then it's sort gun i was like nope i, I just crossed it out
0: <laughs> no, steve's getting much coming to him that's what this is about <laughs> yeah uh so that was good again very frantic very quick paced um I did note down, though, does Norma just do nothing but receipts now? Because I feel like every time I've seen her in the double R, she's always sitting at that exact same table with the receipts sprawled out in her, like, all her account books Look, and stuff.
1: The double R is making much more money than it used to. They need someone full-time
0: on those books. That is true, it's a lot busier. It's a lot busier than it used to be. So
1: th- is, um... I've, actually,
0: I've actually got some thoughts on that later. Okay. I've got some thoughts on that later. But, uh, so... So she runs out, you know. Shelley runs out with the car. She arrives at, at Becky's, and <laughs> Becky just comes running out, grabs the keys, gets in the car. Now, if you'd asked me before this episode started, you know a list of things that you would expect to have seen in this episode, I don't think Shelley jumping like a stuntman onto the hood of the car and like flying around on top of the car and then being thrown off of it was going to be like one of the things I listed which by the way red shoes don't think I didn't notice the red shoes
1: I I also respect Becky's driving that you know she spun her off pretty competently (laughs) that's true that's true
0: I I, I thought that was
1: I I just Uh, and and I I also like that she waited till she was over the grass when she rolled her off she didn't do it over the gravel that's fair yeah even in the moment
0: yeah she at least had enough sense to make sure that she didn't completely injure her mother she just got a scraped knee which you see like the next couple of shots uh it's, just, it's funny because Twin Peaks shows us so many crazy things, more on that later, but it shows us these insane things, you know, demons and nuclear explosions and all these crazy things and, you know, floating men with orbs of light and all that, dragons. but there's a moment during, you know, when Shelley was on the hood of the car and it was the shot from inside <laughs> the windscreen. She's like, this is the most ridiculous yeah. thing in this show. Yeah, from inside the windscreen and she's just like, "Like, pull over this car right now, young lady. She didn't say that, but that's kind of the gist of what's going yeah, on. Yeah. And I This is insane. This is actually like the most insane thing in this show, and it isn't really. Like this show's full of it, weird shit. It was but... kind of the most Twin Peaks thing in the show, though. You know, like like classic Twin Peaks quirky, just ridiculous yeah. things. That's kind of where it felt. But it was just oh so, man, what's going on? Uh, so she she drives off, and meantime Carl, who's obviously uh, owns this trailer park, comes out. And he's like, oh Shelley, what's happened? And he's got this giant whistle. So he's like, I need I need a ride back to the double R, and he pulls out this big whistle to call his it, 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 does, does the driver or the the van always just listen for this whistle? Is this how he's, he's summoned? No, I was I was
1: like, this is amazing. I want one of those whistles. If yeah. I can summon my my personal vehicle at a blow of a whistle,
0: it reminded me of a little bit. Th- this combined with the fact that he's got the the radio in his in his van, like he just opens this little latch and he's got a radio to call the police, like on a you know moments' notice. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of a uh, Sheriff Truman's computer screen that was hidden away. I just I feel like he's you know he's an old guy you know he's we established he's ninety years old I don't know if we mentioned that actually on the show because we debated his age off on the show and then in the comments people said no no he's actually just ninety years old and I looked up his age Howard Dean Stanton is ninety years old yeah the uh, dude's doing well for ninety but I just love the idea that he's such an old man but he's got all these he's got like, yeah, he's very slow sure because he has to be slow at his age but he's very well prepared he's got all these all these things in place in case a That's scenario it. pops like, up the whistle is very low tech but the radio is.
1: It's not high tech, but it's exactly the tech he needs to have. Oh that yeah, it's old school, but it's 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 reliable.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, I'll, I'll say say off Becky. I just because of what Becky does, there's a fun little thing where it, it cuts to the uh, the dispatcher at the police yeah. station, and obviously everyone in this apartment building's calling her at the same time because she's like she she takes the first call. she's like oh where are you? You know blah 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 that address. All right, someone's on their way. Right, rings again, someone's on their way. Thanks again. Someone's on the way, and then what I love—this is just this little touch. This makes it even funnier—is that then the actual phone rings? Because this is all through our headset. It's all through the, the actual sort of yeah. regular dispatch, and then the actual—the phone that she's got with her rings as well. Which I, I don't know what in particular makes that one different. I guess that's the non non name I imagine. Yeah, the uh, non emergency Yeah, and she picks that up, and she's just like, "Yeah, on. Someone's on the way." I just—the fact that it switched to the phone made it really funny to me. Yeah, and that no, was like that was the quirky touch that made that really funny. Um, of course, before that, she does put Shelley through to Bobby, which was int- that was exciting. Seeing uh, Carol says, "Oh, call Bobby." So, or I was thinking like it was Norman that said, "Call Bobby." Uh, still doing those receipts, by the way, back at the Double R. Uh, but she's like, "Call Bobby." She's like, "Yeah, I'll call Bobby." And I'm like, "Oh, we've not actually because as much as we've theorized oh, as Becky, his daughter and stuff, we've not actually seen them together in the show yet. This is the first time we're." I'm like, "Oh, okay." Uh, and sure enough, she calls Bobby and tells us tells him what's going on. But anyway, so Becky. Goes to Steve's. No, it's not Steve's apartment actually. It's the it's the, the, the mistress we we'll call her. Yeah, her apartment. Uh, and I really liked how this was filmed. How the camera's on the stairs yeah. inside the building. and You just hear the you know the screech of the tires pull up, and you just wait, and you hear the storming, and then you eventually you see Becky come up the stairs, and it follows her up to the door, uh, and she's banging on the door. Our neighbors like, not in there. They were here before, but they've left. There's no one in there. And she notices the guard and she just like backs away and's like, oh okay. Mm-hmm. Um. I thought that was all—all all, all great stuff. Specifically when Becky just you know says "F you, Steve" and then just like fires into the door. Uh, I really—I already made the thumbnail for this, and the 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 shot I used is a uh, the you know her with the gun directly in front of her face, pointing at the camera. Nice. Uh, I just, just I just thought it was a really nice. Uh, Sort of hard, like, because Steve's been such an asshole, and on top of all this he's cheating on her, like, on top of like, being abusive and stealing her money and being a drug addict, on t- top of all of this, he's cheating on her. It, it's it's, like, it would have been nice to see him actually get shot, basically, that's what I'm saying. I'm still expecting it. I'm still expecting some comeuppance down the line. I'm hoping so. I mean, remember what happened to Leo, he's still under those spiders all these years later. <laughs> he died of starvation. <laughs> I don't know, he ate the spiders. If <laughs> we didn't kill him first. True. <laughs> That's a good question: Like, if you if you eat a poisonous spider, do you does that does that actually give you the do you get poisoned? Well, no,
1: I know because there's the difference, isn't it?
0: Because yeah.
1: venomous is if they bite you, poisonous is if you eat
0: it. Ah, right, so if you if you eat a venomous snake, for example, you don't actually get the effect of it. I would have
1: thought not, because it has to be injected into you. It has to be injected and released.
0: Surely like I guess. But surely, if you eat the head, though, where it's stored. Theoretically, you could still yeah, consume yeah, it. Yeah,
1: no, you, yeah, quite possibly.
0: But I, I suppose a uh, poisonous I guess, snake's I, I guess the whole because thing.
1: Because if it's when it's when you're bitten or stung, whatever yeah. it goes directly into your bloodstream. That's
0: whereas true. if you eat it, it gets
1: filtered through the system.
0: Ah, that's fair. That's fair. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's safer. <laughs> we've just we've just triggered like five comments telling us how <laughs> venomous and poisonous snakes work. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. So. So favorite part of this whole scene, though, after the shooting. We get what I'm going to call the Mulholland Drive Steadicam shot, where it's the camera spookily goes through the hallways and down the stairs, and it's all very almost kind of Evil Dead, actually. Almost, it's like the Evil Dead uh, sort of dead 8 cam. Do you get? Have you seen Evil Dead? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I've seen the first.
0: Kind of like that, and then but it ends on like Steve and his his girlfriend. He's betting the or you know, like down down in the stairs. Like oh shit, I better not go up there. Just hiding. I it's like I'm 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 not facing that. Yeah, but what what I like that, and I, th- I think what the camera movement to me said there, um, not not that it represents Becky necessarily directly, but just the idea that his shittiness is going to catch up with them. Like it's coming yeah. for him. Uh, that's what that camera movement before it went to them told me. Yeah, it's inescapable, isn't it? It will catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... So have I, got, have I missed anything here that I uh, that I oh yeah, there's some small subtle little moments I liked. I liked it when uh, Shelly's on the on the radio with Bobby and she's she's telling him everything that's happening and then eventually she ends it with and Bobby she's got a gun. I love Carl's. Oh god, like so he didn't know <laughs> that until that point. His his old oh god just cracked me up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that, that was that was all I had on that. that on right. It.
1: So that's the that's the opening ten minutes down.
0: Hi, I'm saying buckle in, okay? It's gonna be yeah. a long one. Yeah. Buckle in, right? Lot of stuff in this, a lot of meat. This was action packed already, right? <laughs>
1: it really we're, was.
0: We're already there. Okay. Um, okay, so then we go to South Dakota. Yeah. We go to South Dakota, and we got you know our usual FBI squad, uh with Diane. Uh also uh Detective Mackley's there and he's, he's brought Matthew Lord, uh, what's his face? Hastings, Bill Hastings. And they're at the location where he claims, although I believe him, I meant a little but, you know, just for, yeah. for, to, keep, to keep things proper, he claims to, this is where he encountered Major bricks. that this this location has some sort of importance. Uh, and, he, you know, he fills them in and he's like, okay, uh, I went through the fence, went about 10, 15 feet or whatever it was, and, you know, that's where. I said, like, okay, okay, where, where's this going? Like, he, and I had no idea where this scene was going. Like, I, like you know, something spooky going to happen? Yeah, or? not at
1: first. I and mean, then you kind of see the, the figure... No, at the back of
0: it. Yeah, obviously there's a moment just before they go through where they see one a charcoal man. Now, interestingly because we theorised that only one of the charcoal men actually come out and about in present day that turns out to be, at least not the case here, because this is not the same one that was in the uh, the prison cell. Certainly and didn't morgue. seem to be now. No. no. Uh, this was a little fat guy, uh, which kind of added to the effect of a scene, or a moment that's coming up in the same scene. Uh, so Gordon goes through with Albert uh, but Albert sort of stays back and Gordon goes up to the, the spot specifically. And he, get, he gets to the, the area and from Albert's perspective there's a sort of shimmering, kind of like he's looking at Gordon and there's like a sort of shimmering... Yeah, it's kind of blurred. On his way as well, you start to hear the electrical hum. So you know yep. there's like, proper lodge related activity.
1: Yeah, it's like, okay, Bill yeah. wasn't bullshitting, stuff's going on.
0: Yeah, uh, and he, he gets to this spot and <laughs> then we cut to this, this wide shot of the entire sort of landscape yeah and a giant vortex starts to open up in the sky
1: yeah uh, my, my notes i just put sky vortex <laughs> uh, uh,
0: black hole now, no, no one else but gordon can see this he can see because he's in the spot i think gordon uh, or albert and that can only see Too far back yeah they, they yeah. can see like gordon shimmering and like some well, at least albert can he can yeah, see that obviously we saw the the
1: the charcoal man he kind of appeared and then disappeared so you kind of get some effects just around this area yeah so i yeah. think that's what they're, they're seeing like gordon's just on the edge so he's kind of in between worlds i
0: actually think i, think, I actually think it's just albert that's close enough to even see that because when it cuts to the wide shot later on when uh, gordon's holding up his hands and you don't see any of it it's almost like diane and like uh, uh tammy true. like only just to see gordon going like this and it just looks stupid because yeah, that's, like, yeah. that's it's a kind of a funny like little moment in the middle of all this craziness that you, it cuts back and you just see him standing there like this. it looks really stupid uh but yeah so that's swirling vortex it opens up but it's like, kind of like a black hole kind of opening um and gordon's actually shimmering away he starts to like flicker out of existence almost like he's going to this place and albert actually steps in and pulls him back to keep yeah. him here uh, which is a really cool moment uh, but of course as he's shimmering away he sees something like where where he would be going uh, and he sees a staircase, and there's t- three, I think, maybe four charcoal men standing on the staircase. These, these bearded men. <laughs> I'm laughing about a line that comes up later. Uh, but so it's these, these charcoal men. Now, eagle-eyed viewers. Now, I'm not going to take credit for this because I didn't notice this. But people on the internet got you know blessed the internet. Uh, probably read it. Thank you, Reddit. Probably read it. Uh, top of the staircase, like just between two of the charcoal men, you can make. And on the second viewing, I was kind of. Looking for Looking it. Looking for it, yeah. Uh, you can see the wallpaper behind them. The what wall... colour is it? It's not red. But the wallpaper, it matches something, though. It matches the rooms that La- uh, Laura was going through in Fire Walk With Me in the dream. If you remember her, the dream sequence, where she kept going through the rooms, yeah, and it was like, yeah. it was like blue with flowers on it. Yeah. That's the wallpaper. So. Very interesting. Which at least says, okay, Laura was definitely going through Lodge place. places. If, if not the lodge itself, then these connected areas. Kinda can, can we talk about the, the 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 pink oceans, not necessarily yeah, it's, part it's of the lodge, but it's part just of that a, world. adjacent. Yeah. So, that was that was that was a good catch. It's, it's just funny. This a little slither between two of them, but you can just kind of wake out. Okay, that's, yeah. that's that wallpaper. It,
1: it's things like that where you have to get the the attention to detail from Lynch. Here is incredible.
0: Oh yeah, he he puts so many little things like. It's it. this. It's meticulous. It really is. He's a, I just imagine his office when he's writing. He's got the you know the detective pinboard up with all the strings, and he's just <laughs> yeah. like that's how he plans it. Which in turn is how we end up trying to analyse it, as we have all the the photos. And... Yeah, yeah. We're we're trying to follow it, but without all the information. Yeah, that madman. He's he's got us all going. Right, so... Where, where did I leave off in my notes? Yeah, I was sort of doing that without looking at these. Yeah, um, yeah
1: The sky vortex and then... Yeah, sky need to decipher past
0: that. Yeah, charcoal man uh, on stairs, wallpaper. Albert pulls Gordon back. Now, then Diane. Diane sees the fat little charcoal man. Yeah. Right? She sees him sort of moving just at once. And she doesn't seem too disturbed by this. She seems to just keep a, a game face on. You know? let she's got a poker face. Right? Uh, then Gordon and Albert or at least Albert, looks over and notices a body lying in the ground. No head. Female. So, and, you know, Albert rightly assumes this is probably Ruth, uh, you know, the the secretary with Bill who got killed. That was her head in in her house in the first episodes, And she has coordinates coordinates written on her arm. Last couple of digits of smudge, but he takes a photo. Well, this is happening. One of my favourite shots of the episode. The chubby little charcoal man is sneaking up to the car that's got Bill in it. Because he's in the back seat, you know, and the detective's in the front seat. He obviously is I don't know if he's handcuffed, but that kind of idea where he's in the back seat of the police car. Yeah. And this chubby little trucker man's like... And he's hunched over and he's creeping up. And Diane sees this. Diane's watching this intently. And she is not even... She's not warning anyone. She's not reacting. It's almost like she expects stuff like this to be happening. She's yeah. shady.
1: She is. I thought it was very interesting here.
0: That's my word for her in this episode. She is acting shady. Mm. Now... I kind of expect a swerve, and that this is all for the bit greater good. Whatever she's doing, but that's maybe just hope rather than anything else. Or expecting a swerve, but it's she's definitely acting shady. She is definitely. So, uh, so we see see him. He sort of fades out as he goes into the car. Like he gets up to the side of the car and he fades out, and then we're just, we're just shot at the detective in the front seat, and then splat. And he starts freaking out. He's like, what the hell? What the hell? And he, he goes out and he he grabs the radio from inside like, outside the car and he has it outside and he's like, you know, get, get all, all... Get all back up. Get all back up. Fact, did you I'm catch like,
1: the address of where he said it to? I did not. Because he called all back up to 2240
0: Sycamore. Sycamore. very. Yeah. Oh, I, two viewings and I didn't catch that. That is Shame very... <laughs> yeah, that is very interesting because, of course, Sycamore Trees is where the entrance to the lodge is in Twin Peaks and Sycamore Street are. Or road, was, or avenue, yeah, or whatever it was the, the last. The, the Dougie was. Cooper. Yeah, that's where you know Cooper transferred. Uh, yeah, where Dougie was. Sycamore is is the entranceways typically. Yes, this is very interesting. Uh, that's that's a nice catch. Uh, that, that basically just confirms that all the entrances in the world that go there all have something to do with sycamore. I love that they can be artificial. though,
1: because like, obviously the yeah. ones in the woods are just you know they're just sycamore trees, but Sycamore Street, just you know, looking like at address, you
0: know what I like about that? that's enough. I like that. This wasn't always an entrance. But once they named it that, like slowly it became one. There's well, I mean, I think there's two arguments. One, you know, what you've just suggested. Two,
1: at some point in history there was sycamores there and the lodge entrance existed and people have subconsciously named these places ah, Sycamore yeah, because that. of that. I can see that. That's that's the two options, I think.
0: Yeah, I can see both. I just think like the reason why I'd maybe lean towards uh, the first one is just that I like when they were building the, the, the houses there. Like, yeah. they did they not notice weird activity? Which makes me think it uh, like, was something that developed over time. Uh, beca- yeah, it came yeah. because they called it I don't know. I just just, just yeah, it was. No. no, it's um, interesting either way. So, yeah, one of my favourite lines of dialogue in this entire episode is after, yep, I the, know exactly. after the detective says, uh, Call all backup, Diane says, There's no backup for this as she's looking in. And I just, I really like that line. It's like, especially since she might know more about what's going on and she's leaning on. But it's just, yeah. it's really, I really like that line. Great line of dialogue. Um, and then, of course, the, you know, everyone else comes over and looks at him. That's when we finally see what's happened to him. He's, like, top half of his head's missing. he's just basically went splat. And the, be- <laughs> the best comedy moment of the episode is just Gordon's perfectly delivered line of, he's dead. Do you know what made me, it, it's hilarious anyway,
1: but it cracked me up even more. Because in my notes, I'd seen the head and just put, "He's dead,"
0: <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> and then he said it and it
0: just killed me. They showed this episode a little bit early at Comic Con uh, on Friday, I think it was, at uh, the Twin Peaks panel, and apparently that he's dead deadline got like an absolute roar of laughter from the crowd. I get it. You I w- deserves it. I would have loved to have watched one of these episodes with a crowd. You know that it would just be just you know you know. It's fun. watching
1: things like that with a crowd is 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 fun. Have you ever done it? um like a big crowd
0: yeah well i've been in midnight showings for stuff that are all fans, yeah, so that's kind yeah. of the same thing i yeah. did
1: i went to, like you know when i was at um star wars celebration and they showed like the the episode uh, of rebels but you know like, i enjoy that anyway but with a like a crowd of like that of all those you know the, the fans it's the hardcore it's incredible fans experience. who are going to pick up and everything yeah,
0: yeah. um I can't, I, you know, the atmosphere, just, I'm not going to go on a tangent here about the Comic-Con, but I did the, the first half of the panel, the, the non-Q&A portion of it, uh, did go on YouTube, and I watched it earlier, um, and it was just a bunch of stories about how they all ended up getting, to, you know, the actors, or who were there, not everyone, yeah. they've got like maybe eight of them there, uh, but my favourite part of it is that Damon Lindelof was uh, hosting the panel, mm. uh, he's a big Twin Peaks fan, he you know, inspired a lot of things, That's why he Lost is a lot of the ways yeah. uh, and Leftovers of course. And he, obviously Kel McLachlan was there and before he started asking questions like, hey Kel is there anything you want to say to the crowd before we get going and he went up to the podium where he was hosting and just went into the mic hello <laughs> oh the man is a hero I watched him do a, a,
1: a Facebook Q&A a couple of weeks ago and oh, hmm. seem, seems just the, the nicest guy
0: he does he seems like a really nice guy um, I, he said that again I, I promise I won't go on a tangent and this is my last point on this but when he, because we were telling the stories of how they found out that there were this was happening, that this was coming back, and you know yeah. reactions, how how were they asked, so on, uh, and he said that Lynch called him and invited him over to, well, he didn't invite him over. He said, "I can't, I want to talk to you about something, but I can't talk about it over the phone." So they met at a hotel room, uh, wherever one of them was nearby, yeah. and uh, you know he'd said, "Okay, me, me and Mark Frost are working on this. Would you be interested in going on this journey?" Um, would you be interested in going back to Twin Peaks? And uh, apparently Kel's response, he said, was, I've never left Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah he told that story on that Facebook uh, as well. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, It was a as nice response. It was just a nice it response. I, there's something about getting a phone call from David Lynch and having him say, I can't talk about this over the phone. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like, obviously for him, Lynch kind of formed his career, made him, you know, like,
1: like he set him oh, on yeah. the career path he is between, you know, a couple of things early on.
0: Yeah, June Blue Velvet and then Twin Peaks, like you know. Yeah, so you
1: know, uh, and he's kind
0: of obligated. Although uh, the, the 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 Big Ed one, uh, Everett, he, he his story was even more insane about how he found out he he almost wasn't going to be in it. Basically, no one knew how to contact him, and Lynch put it on Twitter. Uh, does anyone know who I can contact, Everett McGill, and? Someone gave him a number for a place that he doesn't really use anymore. Because he was telling the story, he has like a spare house somewhere where he just stores cars. He collects cars, and basically this is where some of his cars live. And he just goes there once in a while to drive the cars. He doesn't live there. And there's like an old old rotary phone, he said, that was just on the wall, that he's not heard ring in 10 years. And he just happened to be there when that phone rang. And it was David Lynch.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's fate right there
0: and that was just that was just insane uh, so uh, yes. but anyway we should, get, we should get back, to, this back to the back to the the episode so yeah big bag, bag scene vortexes entrance is still ours they're getting closer the FBI are getting closer to sort of piecing these things together can we just say that, that vortex just looked great it did it looked
1: good like you know it wasn't like a complicated effect it was just a swirl but I don't know it just looked really cool
0: yeah, it, it was big and grandiose, and I just I loved that he could see it. No one else could. It was like this just simple idea was, of, yeah. to him. The sky was opening up, and it was this big, you know, biblical almost moment. But everyone else is just like you know, you know, those chirps yeah. chirping. You
1: <laughs> what, what, what the
0: hell's he doing? Yeah. Uh, so then we go to the Double R Diner, um, and I have almost a full page of notes for what is essentially one connect, connected couple of scenes. Um, so it's Becky. With, with Bobby, who's in his leather jacket, I noted that down, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming he's his leather jacket this season, uh, and Shelly, and they're sitting there, and she's telling him about what's going on, and he's basically explaining, like, because like, uh, I work with the, the, the sheriff, you're you, you not in too much trouble, but you're going to have to pay for the door, and you know, you're know, going to have to make this right, and they start asking about what's going on, and she's like, oh, I want a divorce, I want out, I need to get rid of him. Although she changes her tune, she sort of quickly... Well,
1: she, she doesn't say she wants a divorce, she says, I want out, I want rid of him. And, and them, then, she, yeah. then they say, "Do you want a divorce?" And she goes, "No, I love him."
0: Yeah, it's, it's very self-destructive. It does remind you a lot of Shelley in a lot of ways, um, and I'll talk about that more in a, a little minute. And i another scene, but uh, I also note down that Norma was kind of just watching the entire time and kind of judging yeah, at first, keep, and then keeping kinda, an eye on it. Yeah, it's almost like she has been very motherly still towards Shelley, and by extension, she's grandmotherly towards Becky. Yeah. Uh, so. All this all this was great. One of my favourite little touches in this scene, uh I think Bobby got a lot of good stuff in this episode and it was really just this, this scene and sort of the next one that's kinda of part of the same thing. Um but when Shelley brings up that Carl mentioned, oh, we all hear bad things going on in that in that trailer, um, Bobby's attitude and demeanour completely changes and he says, Has he hit you? and what i know i mean i like this cuz it was always concerned from my father that he's you know his, his daughter may be getting you know uh, assaulted yeah. at home right which makes sense but what i loved about it was his delivery of the line cuz his facial expression changed and he looked like old bobby it was kind of like yeah. for a second the cop went away the, the mature cop disappeared and it was like i will shoot this asshole did he yeah. hit you and and
1: do you know what that that kind of is one of my favorite things about Bobby. This, I think he's one of the most interesting characters this season in a way. Yeah, I think yeah, he's fascinating. I think it, it's it's strange to say that though. Uh, but I think it is because he's the idea of, you know, you can just grow up and outgrow uh, that phase of your life and you can yeah, you know, you can be a bit of a shitty kid, but you can become yeah. a, a decent member of society.
0: And I think he genuinely has. Because we, we debate... I mean, I remember speculating back when he was first introduced, oh, is he still shady? And I don't think he is. I actually think he's genuinely a mature person. No, I think
1: he is. A, a, he is. He's a genuinely good person.
0: Uh, ever since... Uh, especially since we had the stuff with uh, his father was brought into it, and it was, oh, no, it was this fil- self-fulfilling, yeah. self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, that his father's like, oh, i seen you in the future and you were okay. Like, I, I thoroughly believe he's okay. And what I like about this, though, is like, okay, when he's pushed, though... That attitude of I need to get, yeah, you know, well, it's it's when he if he it's
1: kind of every when he gets
0: protective of his yeah. family,
1: like he he's he'll do what he has to do,
0: sort of thing. It was the way it was it was just it was the way his his upper lip kind of like stuck out. Was, as strange as that might sound, it was just very old school, Bobby. It felt like he he, he kind of just holds himself differently though for a moment, doesn't he? Yeah, it's very. I've actually got another good point on just that type of action for the end of the episode as well. About someone just holding themselves differently for a second. Um, yeah so there's a couple of good examples of that in this episode but he so yeah he asked that and then so so red i believe his name is the the crime boss that you know was with richard in that one scene we've seen him briefly in the first episode hinting that shelly was attracted to him but we didn't really know if there was something going on or if it was just like a, a little flirtatious moment he he pops up and i want to point out here that as he comes up to the window, it's just when Shelley. It's in fact one of my favourite moments of the scene as well. I, I keep saying that about all these scenes because they all have so many good little things in them, peppered throughout. But I like that. So they're having this conversation, and Beck says, "No, she's never. He's never hit me." And we kind of seen him hit, hit. Not, I mean, not throw a punch, but he was being very abusive. Certainly, when we seen him, Remember? I think,
1: I think she doesn't consider it because she does love yeah. him. I think, and she, she's kind of just forgiving him for anything that she considers small.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if either she, a that's as far as he's went, and I would consider that kind of on that assault line. It's too far already. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, or either that, or she's just flat out lying, and she's she's not willing to admit that she has been abused because it's almost this hard thing. Like, oh, that's not me. I'm not. That's not happening to me. And then yeah, you, she- Charlie would never have admitted it for a long time. Exactly. Um. But she she says, "Look, you're staying with me tonight," and Bobby offers to lend her the money because, like, she Shelley had been lending her money and. Becky open admits, oh, he spent everything you ever gave me. I can't take any more. So She feels guilty yeah. about that. Yeah, I realize like that
1: she's like, no, I'm not taking any more because she, in, in moments like this she seems more mature than I think I expect of her. Because a lot of the time when we see her around, Steve, he's, she's yeah. kind of shitty as well.
0: Yeah, it shows what sort of bad influence he has on her and it also shows that kind of like Shelley back in the original series that there was moments where she was actually seemed like a decent person but she's obviously been corrupted by so many other things. Yeah around her. And I felt like that with her as well. And it was this moment where Bobby offers to pay the money, and then Shelley says, you're staying home with me tonight, we're getting you out of that house. And she's hugging her as Becky's crying. And one of my favourite things is Norma, as she's been watching the whole time, she looks at Becky and makes eye contact with Betty and sort of like... like it's A little, little nod almost. Yeah, like, you know, give in to your mother here and like do the thing. And I love it. It's that moment, it's, it's the moment of Norma, her sort of surrogate grandmother looking at her, where Becky realises... Oh shit, I threw you off the hood of the car and she brings it up like Oh shit, I did that. I'm sorry, mum. I'm sorry <laughs> I did like, I I just love that. And I love that it comes because of Nor- I not I not even I don't even think I noticed the first time it was the second viewing when I'd already was I knew where it was going that I noticed Oh it's actually Norma's glance at her that makes her realise because the first time I was like, Oh that's really random She just suddenly in the middle of the scene remembers that she did that. Yeah, no, no,
1: it's it's Norma like yeah. prompting her going, Come on, you need to apologize.
0: Yeah, I I I, I like that a lot. It really sets up I think for as much as people think this show spends a lot of time doing nothing with its scenes, because, you know, it's very long and drawn out, I think there's a lot of really subtle things that tell you a lot about the characters and where they are in the yeah, lives they're, right Yeah, they're now. there if you're looking for them. If yeah, you just exactly. go
1: with just the dialogue, then yeah, yeah you're going to miss a lot.
0: But like, Lynch like, has always been like that, though. You have to be pay attention. You have to be thinking about it. You have to. Yeah, I think
1: we went into that with those expectations. So yeah. I, I really want a scene between Becky and Norma and just to see you know, what their relationship's like. Yeah. I think it'd be really interesting.
0: That said, though, I think that nod tells you a lot about it already. It does, yeah. it
1: does. I just want to see more of it.
0: Oh, I agree, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see more of that. And I think I think that's what's maybe exciting about this episode, at least the first half of it, is it feels like not only were we spending time in the town of Twin Peaks, I feel like I was really getting to know some of the characters now. Ones we'd already knew and where they are now. We know Becky, I feel like, a lot more now. I feel like we got a lot of meat with these characters Definitely. in the town. And in the town itself, which I'll get to in the next year. I keep saying that, but there's stuff that links in with stuff that's coming up. So it's, it's as she's hugging her that Red comes, you know, walking up to the window and just gives a you know, little wave. And he's like, and Shelly, I and mean, she doesn't like doing a harsh way or like that, but she ba- immediately leaves Becky. She's like, she smells and leaves because, oh, the boyfriend's here, I need to go. She abandons her daughter, and that's maybe a harsh way of putting it. Yeah, I think, to be but, fair, it happened at just the right
1: time. A minute earlier, I don't know if she would have, but it got to the point where Becky was okay now.
0: Oh, sure, sure. But there's a reason why I'm phrasing it like this because it links into a theme that I want to talk about in a minute. Uh, but she, she kind of just immediately abandons her throws her away and goes outside. Now, of course, one of the things we are noting here is that, we I mean, I don't think Shelley knows this, but he's like, you know, he's a... He's a asshole he's a crime boss he's, he's awful yeah. and it's definitely this thing where Shelly's repeating the mistakes of her past she's re- repeating the mistakes that she's blaming or well not blaming but you know her own daughter's making these same mistakes right now but it's showing that she's actually still and it made me think wait did her and Bobby split up because Bobby actually turns into like a you know a responsible person and even if Shelly doesn't realise it she does have this thing where that's boring and she wants someone who's no, more I, exciting. I, I think it is that yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't actually think she's self
1: aware of it though no, because she doesn't even know. that yeah. Red is a bad guy. Like, she he seemed very forthcoming and genuine at the, to her.
0: Yeah, and obviously Bobby looked quite choked up by the whole whole thing as well. He was sitting yeah. there really awkwardly. Even Becky looked kind of <laughs> awkward about the whole thing, just sitting there. And Shelly comes back. She's got a big grin on her face. She's quite happy. And then out of nowhere, gunshot.
1: Yeah. I was like, "What's going on?" What's right what's by happening? the window,
0: and it, it it feels like oh, this is maybe. Is this, you know, intentional? Is someone try to assassinate someone in here? That, that's and, kind of what
1: fella's so like. Shit's going down.
0: And again, showing where Bobby is in his life. Bobby just goes into cop mode. He's like, turn off the lights. Because he knows that's a smart thing to do. If someone's trying to hit someone, specifically, turn off the lights to let yeah, them see the make target. It hard, make it hard to see him, And he goes straight out. And he, Yeah, he, go, he lunches down. He gets his gun out. And he's, he's out, you know, proper by the book. He's doing his job. Uh, and he gets out. And of course, when we get outside, he quickly realises what's happened here. Uh, this, this car stopped and this this little kid standing there and this mother's holding the gun and she's screaming at the father for having a gun in the car. It becomes very clear very quickly that this kid got a hold of the gun and it was just an accident. It was just a, a complete... Yeah, the, the the kid just happened to, to yeah. pull the trigger. It was a complete accident. Uh, but the, the woman is screaming her head off and the dad seemingly is like, oh, well, that's not a that big a deal. Like He doesn't really care. What I know I'm what dog... definitely on her side here. Oh, I'm on her side as well. This is absolutely insane. But what I know here is the kid does not look apologetic. He he looks like he wanted to hit someone. Uh I wrote down that kid is a cock. <laughs> like the
1: look on his you know what when when it, Bobby looks down at him yeah. and he just stares up like he's like try me bitch. That's the sort of look he's Yeah, that,
0: yeah, that's, that's that's the sort of look he's got in his face. He does not care. And of course Bobby looks at him and he's wearing like a camouflage jacket and then he looks up at the dad and the dad's wearing a camouflage jacket. He doesn't seem to care about what's just happened either. And this, for me, is a big theme of this episode. It's it's kids becoming their parents. Again, going back mm-hmm. to Becky and Shelley and her making the same mistakes. And even bad parenting, the idea that she he let the kid get the gun. Uh, kind of like how Shelley kind of almost ignored her actual daughter as soon as the boyfriend showed up. Like, this idea of neglectful parenting, it comes up again, as, as I mentioned, there's, there's a talk about an orphanage later on um, and then immediately there's another mother in a car with her kid who has a, like, a really weird attitude with her, you know, like there's a lot of things here about parenting and kids becoming their parents because of neglectful parents. You know, it, there's a lot of themes yeah, going on here, and I think it parallels
1: really nicely with with Bobby, who became who he was because of his dad. Yeah, yeah, but in in a very different way, of course.
0: And this was the other thing here. So throughout this whole scene, like this woman is honking the horn because it's holding up the traffic because this car stopped. And Bobby goes over to after uh, Jesse, the other cop that we've been seeing from the five-second post cop, is what, what I think yeah. it was. Who mentions about his big big heads, which is funny because I've not seen big Edge yet, but he was at big Eds and he heard shots. I really liked his delivery; it was kind of quirky, you know, very Twin Peaks. Yeah, he was like, I,
1: I, I heard shots.
0: Figured I should come over. <laughs> yeah, like that's not your job, you tool. Um, and. He goes over to this woman and she just starts screaming and bawling in his face. It's good. And actually, I wrote down everything she said because I thought there's a lot to read into in what she says. even though. Oh, it's, no! I, I wrote down a bunch of it as well. Even though it's seemingly just a random, quirky Twin Peaks angry woman, like, there was so much. Because I think a lot of this actually relates to Cooper and the Lodges and Ooh. all this stuff and, you know, the idea of a return. Can um, you go through it? Yeah, here we go. So, we're already late trying to get home. Uh, her uncle is joining us. She hasn't seen him in a very long while. We're late. We've got miles to go still. Mm. Is it just me, or is that just like talking about Cooper returning to Twin Peaks? Kinda.
1: It kind of is. Cooper is the one. You know, he's 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 on his way,
0: but he's, he's got, a, got a while to yeah. go yet. It's, it's, yeah, I just I thought. There were, I don't think this character knows it. I think it's just very intense. Kind of like how Lucy sometimes says things that feel very, like, she's hitting on a really deep point there, even though she's just been kind of airheaded. And... Yeah, yeah,
1: it feels the same way. Yeah,
0: yeah I actually really like this actress. It was kind of like, this was the, because obviously we criticised uh, Truman's wife for being a little bit rough. Like, she's doing the you know the over-the-top lynch acting, but it's, it just didn't feel quite right. Whereas I feel like this woman is nailing exactly what it's supposed to feel like, where it's over-the-top, but it's hitting these notes of, like, she is, she is committed to the screaming. like it's just it's working really well uh and then just just to give you some more what the what the hell moments uh her her kid gets up like a zombie vomiting something from the mouth and actually is like yeah i I put i put zombie sick yeah also not the only zombie imagery in this episode so i'll mention it when we get there okay i was struggling to think of that but yeah mention it when it comes up Uh, so that's a, and I love as well that as the kids getting up the mother was not like oh this is uh, the illness or whatever that I should know about because I'm the mother she's like what the hell is going she's on she's screaming she's like oh oh!" yeah
1: she's oh, terrified oh. and you know for a second I was like is she just not wanting to get the sick on her but then it, it quickly becomes clear no this is something different
0: yeah and so here's my final sort of point about all this scene Uh, yeah is that the town of Twin Peaks, and this this ties into the diner being a lot busier, and even the even the uh, the roadhouse being a lot busier, yeah. and a lot more of the activity going on here. And the fact that this is so busy traffic, that, you know, this, this woman with her kid being a zombie, the the kid shooting the gun, everything going on. it Because I remember, if you remember back in the original show, Cooper often talked about the town as if it was a special place. Like, yeah, there was this underlying darkness here that was coming from the lodges that was leading to stuff like the girls going to double double... One Ijax. I just had to think of the name <laughs> But a long time we've talked about that place. Um, but, you know, there was obviously an undercurrent of stuff happening, but the town was peaceful. He talked about how angelic it was. It was like the one, the last good place left in the country that felt yeah. like the old times. And I feel like in the last 25 years, this town has went to shit. The darkness has overtaken it. It feels like something has fundamentally the, changed.
1: The town is sick.
0: Yes. The town is sick because the embodiment of good... Special Agent Dale Cooper. Has been gone from this world. Yeah. And as I say, obviously Cooper wasn't there before, but I think his return is what's going to fix it. I hope so. If he wins, if he wins the fight, I assume there's going to be like a battle of good and evil. Yeah, we're we're,
1: we're just assuming he's going to win. Although that said, it's definitely going to end ambiguous, isn't it?
0: Of course it is. Of course it is. But I, I feel like it really feels like the town as a whole has disintegrated because... Because that that fight was lost 25 years ago, and because Evil Cooper, Doppelcoop's been out and about, that this it's, has happened it's because infected. of it. Yeah. yeah. There's a sickness, like a literal sickness. This kid's sick. There's a literal sickness infecting yeah, the world.
1: It, it seems to be a lot of the kids, because in this scene, especially, like, like one kid is physically just sick. Yeah. But the. The kid who shoots seems completely unremorseful. He's sick in a more yeah, evil sense.
0: Even the even even characters like Becky and Steve, like the younger generation, like it's all the older characters. Chad's a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know it's, like, I, there's
1: very I'm, I mean, the only good kids I can really think of, you know, those kids that start playing catch. And yeah. you know, the one who the one who got run over. There's not been many. <laughs> yeah, the one who got run over is now dead. Well no, but, well no, but that's what I mean. Like that's that's the point. He was one of the few
0: ones that seemed like a a normal yeah it, normal it, normal kid and, and he got gone it's not like everyone's a shithead but it's, it feels like the percentage of shitheads is going up gradually and has done over the past yeah. 25 years so it feels like a losing fight for everyone who's a, who's a good character so uh, that, that's really what it felt like to me the horn going off all the traffic all this chaos happening random gunshots i just feel like oh there's just chaos 20 peaks is in chaos yeah and and because at first it's like well just go
1: around just, yeah. just go around. It's not hard. And alternatively, uh, that's the point. They're stuck there.
0: Nice observation. And alternatively, where Cooper actually is right now seems quite bright and sunny, and you know everyone's having a happy time. And we'll talk more about that as we get towards yeah. the, the final season Just, of the episode, just but... while we're talking about traffic, I thought it was really strange uh, when we get
1: into some of the, the Cooper stuff. Yeah, you know, there's the line about you. Yeah, oh, lots of traffic.
0: Hmm. And you know, it didn't seem that bad. Not at least physically. I mean, we saw it earlier in the day, to be fair. Like, uh, you know, true. when Cooper was in the limo, we saw it at a different time. Uh, but, yeah, no, obviously that theme comes up again. There's, there's some different themes going on here. There's Obviously, parenting is a big one in this episode, but then you have the traffic and the idea of being stuck and not being able to get to where you're supposed to go. You're, you're running yeah. late. Like, that's definitely a, a thing here. Uh, so, so there you go, that's that big scene there. Uh, so, at this point, I was starting to think, are we even going to get any... Cailin McLaughlin of any kind in this episode. Now obviously, the last half, back half of the episode is all Cooper, which is great. Uh, but next, we go to the police station uh, to Hawk and Sheriff Truman. And Hawk pulls out this map. Yes. Presumably something he has because he's Native American, something that came from his family or something like that.
1: I think that's the implication.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what I'm getting from it. And he brings out this map and he's they're talking about making their trip and they're saying, okay, this is where the coordinates the minute you go to a lead and they're obviously going up there with Bobby soon. Maybe next episode maybe maybe the finale. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows at this rate? But,
1: yeah, we don't seem to be following the you know, the traditional of of the old show of, you know, every episode was a day. Yeah. Well I mean we are kinda of to a point. With you know, the 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 Roadhouse gigs seem to be closing them out as a day.
0: It seems like yeah, it seems like this episode though is the Back half of the previous day. I don't know. I'm
1: not sure.
0: It's, it's, I don't know. It's, whatever. I'm sure it works if you. Yeah,
1: because they still said day after tomorrow, didn't
0: they? they? They did. That's why I'm thinking it's still the same. Yeah. This is the night to the previous day that we saw on Twin Peaks. Um. So because of the map. Now, first things first. The symbol, the little circle with the antlers, uh, which yeah. may might represent, um, you know, Mother of Babylon, or Babylon, mm-hmm. the Mother of All Abominations. I should say that right. Um. That's it, I saw a screenshot of uh, when we've seen her in episode 8, and the antlers are very different. Uh, now, that could just be... That may not mean that it's not yeah, representing yeah. her, it's but I just... Because they were more sticky-uppy in that, whereas these are definitely sort of droopy. Sort they, of down. They, they curve down, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so... I noticed that right away. Bef- and I was actually annoyed they brought it up, because I damn, I noticed that. I thought I'd noticed a little Easter egg, and <laughs> then they brought it up like, <laughs> a minute later. Uh, so I'll save that to last. But So... They talk about uh, where they're going. It's one of the peaks. Blah 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 blah. Uh, talk about the fire symbol. Now here's here's interesting. And he's you know Truman's like oh so it's campfires. Like no no it's it's a symbol of fire. He's like what does that mean? And obviously I'm thinking fire. Walk with me fire of you know the spirits. And then he yeah. sa- and he says you know it's kind of like modern day electricity. And of course we have even hearing these electrical hums and all this. And then he sa- and then Truman asks good or bad. And he says well it depends. And I thought oh that was a smart like just in terms of the show yeah. overall as a response. It's that's great because that that hum seems to happen whether it is a good lodge character or a bad lodge character. Yeah, he says it. You know, it
1: depends on the intentions. Yeah, and I think that that defines everything. Like, like, many choices can be good or bad, depending on you know how they're intended.
0: And and if Laura is like a, a you know is, is Laura herself like if, as an orb as a spirit is she also fire? Just a good example of fire, kind of ideally. Like, you know, good or bad, it can be both. So. Yeah. So, no, I thought that was interesting. Um, then he points out this, this black corn, which is diseased, and he says that the fire plus the corn equals this, and he points to black fire. Yeah. Which sounds, that sounds like proper evil territory. Like if,
1: yeah. Because <laughs> he, he talks about how corn usually represents fertility, but it's black. He says it's sick. It's got plague.
0: Kind of like the town. Which, again, much like the town. Or um, even the entire world, but Twin yeah, Peaks yeah. is what shows it's happening because that used to be so much better. Right. And so, instead of fertility, it's more death. Yeah, interesting. So, so what? will gets spawned with black fire? Like, that's my question. Like, because, because I don't think I don't think Bob's black fire. I think I still think he's just regular fire, but bad fire. So, what is yeah, black fire? What? What is is that? Is that you know Babylon herself? Eventually, I don't know. Uh, so that, that is fascinating stuff. Um, and then, this is when Truman. Oh, that symbol! You know, the little antler symbol. He's like well, that was on the bit of paper that uh, you know Major Briggs had there. And Hawk's response was fascinating. Cause he's oh, like, it was. You don't ever want to know about that. What's his response? And she like, you should, but really? He's like, yeah. And he's yeah. He's, he's like, I don't I'm not telling you about that. And that is fascinating to me that whatever the, if this is like, say Babylon, does Hawk already like know stories about this? Is this already something well, he that's knows? To, whatever
1: this symbol is, Hawk knows what it is. And he is kind of terrified by it, by the look of him, because and it, it, well, at least the way it looked to me is he was scared of it, and he doesn't want to burden Truman with that knowledge.
0: Yeah, it's it's like uh, he wasn't even going to mention it, and then it was just Truman pointing. Like, well, what was that? She's so like, yeah. So very interesting. So that was sort of the end of that half of the scene. that was like going through this map. um Lucy phones through. And I, I like that she's been t- talking to the log lady. Obviously, as she's been putting her through about her chairs. Like, I don't even know why we care so much about furniture. You know? but, oh, by the way, that reminds me. There was a, someone pointed out again. I think it's from Reddit. Uh, do you remember? Uh, you know, what's his name? Mister Mister Todd. Mister Dodd. The you know, hitman guy who's been hiring the hitmen yeah. in Vegas. Uh He he got like the red square on his screen to sh- tell him it's oh, yeah. time to do the job. Someone pointed out that that red square is the exact same looking square on the chair select screen. <laughs> <laughs> when Lucy was picking the colours for the chair, now Lucy I don't was actually. Out <laughs> yeah, I don't think this means anything. I just thought that was funny. The idea that Lucy is somehow the mastermind behind everything is amusing to me. Her, her picking the red chair was her giving the order. Yeah. Uh, what I really liked actually about this is that again, somehow sometimes Lucy will have a little line that you can read into, even though she doesn't mean anything by it. Yeah. Uh, she says. Oh, uh, you know, log lady's online too. That's the one that will be blinking once I hang up. And I just the, the idea that you know, flashing lights when the lodge of characters appear. The idea that you know, the blinking one is the one you want. That's where someone's yeah. coming in from. I just I thought that yeah. was a nice little touch. No, I agree. Um. So yeah, log lady. Uh, here, here's here's another theme that this has been popping up throughout the whole show, arguably back to the original series, but certainly this season has been a lot of repetition. Where yeah. you know. Uh, Cooper will repeat a line that someone says to him. Candy in last episode and this episode repeats like someone has to say something twice before they'll get something out of her. There's repetition. Here, the log lady says a lot of her things twice. Uh, she says, "My log is afraid of the fire." Uh, actually, first she says, "Can you hear me?" She says that twice. Can you yeah. hear me? Can you hear me? Uh, My log is afraid of fire. Now they've just been talking about it, and like so, obviously, clear implications there that you know log's afraid of what they're going to. Uh, there's fire. Uh, I think that's what she says next. There's fire where you're going. Uh, she says that twice, and that's basically yeah. That's just after that, it's just you know goodbye. But uh, again, it's just this idea of impending doom that they're, they're going somewhere dangerous.
1: Yeah, it's just just reinforcing here you know, that the log's afraid of fire, and the log has kind of been this immutable force. Kind of, it hasn't. It's never showed fear before. And,
0: and in a weird way, it makes sense that a log is afraid of fire because it's wood. Yeah, yeah.
1: Obviously, uh. there's the great meaning here. Oh yeah, I know those are deeper. Me, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. But oh, it, on it, it, I think it's amusing that everyone watching it is going, you know, the, the actual the meaning that we're talking about, you, mm. know, the, you know, the the fire spirits. But instead, it, you could just read it as, of course, it's, of course, it's fire and a log. <laughs> but I think that's I think that's the overlooked one in this in this case.
0: Hmm. Um. Then then a random little bit at the end here, Jesse. You know, a uh, five second post cop. He chaps at the door, and Truman goes up, and he's there, and you think, oh, he's here to see him about something, you know, so, maybe the shooting, or maybe what's going on. And he says, and I've written this down. I wanted to get the phrasing right. Are you interested in seeing my new car? <laughs> to which, to which Truman, uh, you know, politely says, well, we're in the middle of a meeting right now. Can I, can I see it tomorrow? Oh, sure, sure. And he shuts the door. And he just turns around and just looks at Hawk like, What the hell is it with these young cops? They're all shit. Is basically his 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 reaction. It is. Um actually, I actually add a little bit of a meta reading on this. I think this cool. is a little bit of meta commentary where the the you know, the Twin Peak characters, you know, Hawk and oh Sless isn't Truman, but he's kind of a surrogate for, you know, Truman we had in the original show. This is like, you know, that this is Lynch with his new ideas, like, Oh, do you want to see our new characters and you know, scenes outside of Twin Peaks? He's like can I see them tomorrow? We're busy. We've got important actual Twin Peaks uh, stuff to talk about. We're,
1: we're, we're liking this reconnecting we're having here. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, I, don't know, I just maybe I'm reading too much into that. But, but yeah, and,
1: and nothing makes you reconnect more with Twin Peaks than donuts. So, which
0: leads us to our next scene. Back in Dakota, back at the police station, uh, they sitting around. They confirm a couple of things. Albert's like, "Yeah, it, it turns out it actually was Ruth." They've, they've confirmed that, and blah yeah. blah blah blah. Uh, and I noticed that uh,
1: Gordon was like shaking at the start of this
0: scene. He was because he, he points at. Uh, he says he's, he's like cat in a hot tin roof, and then Albert says, "Oh, they're bringing coffee. Maybe we should get you some hot milk instead." And Albert, uh, Gordon doesn't hear him properly. And he, so, yeah,
1: it's it's actually the first time in a while we've really seen Gordon seem to have problems hearing. Like this this event. Has yeah, really shook al- him almost. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like that's, this thing's had an that's impact That's why I on didn't him. actually notice. Yeah, I forgot to mention. Oh uh you know this, when he started seeing the vortex and we you know, we were here in the electrical home. Yeah. But when it cut to his uh point of view, you hear it so much louder because he's got it turned mm. up.
0: Yeah. A nice touch. That was nice. Um so Albert wraps out the photo of Ruth's arm and they're talking about the coordinates. Uh very interesting here. Again, Diane acting shady. She's she's giving it a sly glance, isn't she? She's looking at it and it looks like she's trying to memorise it. She's sort of saying it to herself, you know, mouthing it mm. back to herself. She's trying to memorize it. And then Albert, of course, he, always on the, on the job, catches this, notices this. Yeah. And that's that, that sh- kind of like, oh, oh I, was, I was looking over there. He's, he's on to her. Yeah, he's... Well, we know they're on, they're on to her because of the whole text thing. from <laughs> Well, yeah, from yeah, but he's, he's, he's really on to yeah. her. Uh, interesting, just before the donuts and coffee came in... Oh, I really want a donut there. I'm just picturing that plate of donuts. I just want to say, Detective Mackley is a good man. And he walks in with that plate of donuts. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, two plates of donuts even.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just like he, he, that is a good man. <laughs>
0: it's a great man. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm underselling. <laughs> uh, so they come in, but just as they're coming in, the, the, the last thing we hear is like, "Oh, yeah, we, we, we the last couple of numbers are smudged on the coordinates, but it leads to what appears to be a small town in the north." Now, the only mm-hmm. the only thing against it being Twin Peaks, I guess, would be. If it's in that area, would the would Albert not go assume or like? Oh, that's funny. That's around where Twin Peaks is. Maybe that that'd be the only thing to suggest that it's not Twin Peaks. But uh, certainly, Twin Peaks is a small town in the north. It's right at the border of Canada.
1: It it is, and I think that's the the logical assumption. Oh. Maybe logic isn't the best thing to use with this show, but
0: no, not logic, not logic. Um, they do. So they come in uh, and then. There's some banter about Diane wanting to smoke and whatnot. No, nothing super uh, in-depth there, I don't think. Um, but, what I do think is interesting is when she brings up that she thought she saw this. Because uh, Gordon... This actually ends the scene, but he say, he remembers that he saw this in the vortex. He's like, I saw a room. I saw dirty bearded men in a room. Also a good yeah. line. Uh, you know, Lynch was really hitting out some great lines in this episode. Um, so, he he remembers that, but when, we, when they're talking about seeing someone, a bearded, homeless-looking man, uh, Diane's like, "Oh, I thought I saw someone leave the car like that," and that was hmm. a very interesting comment for a number of reasons. One, of course, we know she saw him getting towards the car, but we never saw him leaving. And that doesn't mean to say that she's wrong. She might have saw him leaving; we just didn't see it. Uh, but of, of course, Macley's like, well, "I was in the car; I didn't, wasn't one." Was you know, no one. Was, obviously, he doesn't know it's supernatural and it's this otherworldly thing. You know, what?
1: I, I'm having a question. I. Uh- I wonder if the charcoal men actually have a physical effect on people, where you know they don't quite remember them. Because Gordon should have, like, that should have been an obvious thing for him to remember what he saw in there. That, that should have been a big thing.
0: And even Hastings said he couldn't quite remember, uh, right? Uh, and then you know when we saw a, uh, she saw the one walking up the uh, the police station hallway. Uh, so maybe she's been honest and she's kind of mixing it up and she's it's muddled in her head.
1: Yeah. 'Cause because she didn't remember straight away. Maybe that's yeah. why she maybe that's why she didn't intervene. It's not that she was being shady, but maybe it was just something about them just goes, Don't interfere. You I mean she was definitely being shady, have, shady before. Know... Right, right. That Oh oh yeah, definitely with that. But in that moment, you know, when she sees it going to the, to the car, maybe it's more they just put off this aura of just you know, you don't really notice they're there until you have to think about it.
0: Yeah, I can see I can see that. I can see that. Uh yeah, because they're, they're all kind of looking out like she's crazy, and she's like, well, I said I wasn't sure, but, you know, I, I like that. That kind of lines up with yeah. that, so that, that works. So then we finally land on Cooper. That's that me, time. better get to him. Get to Lucky 7. Very simple scene to start off with here, uh, with uh, Bushnell basically just kind of summing up everything that C- Cooper kind of accidentally uncovered. That there's all this conspiracy going on, there's a uh, fraud, there's some sort of criminal organised crime thing going on. Yeah. But because it's the Mitchum brothers that are screwed, it doesn't appear to be them that's responsible. Which is yeah, why so, he's he's accepted that when they asked for a meeting with him today, he accepted. Because, you know, when you hand them this cheque for $30 million, they're probably going to be quite pleased. Yeah.
1: Also, just... Uh, this was the scene where I was talking about, you know, the, the other zombie imagery. It was uh, Cooper going after the coffee, you know, when uh, when he was being led in.
0: Oh, I love that uh, shot! Arm, actually. Arms outstretched,
1: yeah. going after it, very, very zombie imagery. Yes,
0: I, I like that because uh, it was all one shot, and you like you see at least like, on the, the phone window. first, and it's actually just in the distance. You can kind of see it a little bit, and it's like, is that Cooper oh. over there? And then it just keeps getting closer. Like just, he, I just, like, I love how
1: Bushnells just starts doing push-ups against the desk. Yes.
0: Because really at his age, he could probably just let that go. He's, you know, he's. he's like, yeah, yeah, but
1: but he's like, I've got thirty seconds while I wait here. Go, go get a few in.
0: Very active man. Yeah. Commendable. Um, so, <laughs> so that was that. That was basically it. The only other thing I really noted about this episode This scene. That's the scene. Sorry, yeah. Um, is that. He mentions that the $30 million payout's payout is not a big deal because there was a secondary policy on it for them to cover it. Uh, first of all, I'm not sure entirely if he can get secondary policies on $30 million. That seems a bit... <laughs> its just it seems a bit in the high side for me, but whatever. It does, but... Yep. Whatever. But I'll, I'll, I was like, oh, is that kind of like Doppelkoop, though? Like, he had second... Because he, he had a distraction, he had Dougie invented and then he had assassins in place to kill I almost just sort of related it to uh, Doppelkoop having like a secondary yeah. policy on making sure he didn't go back to the lodge uh, just a small thing but no no, no I like it uh, then we cut to the Mitchum brothers in their house it's a nice quiet scene for the most part with them you know uh Ron needs and eating cereal and uh, that's made me want cereal as well that's shows sure really good at making me want food it's much more likely you've got cereal in than donuts. It does because I I did have cereal and I in fact did have some cereal after the episode, Nice big bowl of it.
1: Good choice.
0: But he's uh, sitting sitting in the cereal and then Bradley comes up. you know Bulushi's character? And he he comes up next to him. I like that these two brothers are still like living together by choice, even though they're both very successful millionaire gangsters. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's it's their choice. It's not like they have to, but they've chosen to ha- have a very nice house and live together just a nice yeah. little thing there, um, you know. And so that's the setting. And he, Bradley brings up a dream. He's like, "I had a dream last. Night. I can't shake it. I was dreaming about killing this this Dougie Jones. I want to kill him." And he, I, I was getting really amused at how like, much he really was desperate to kill. Yeah, him. he
1: was saying how he was dreaming about it all night,
0: and it was very interesting. And then uh, Rodney. I'll just try to think of that. Ronnie's like, oh well, it's, it's soon enough. Like, can you can you wait for another three hours? And then I noted, oh, the lazy bastards. They only get out of bed at half two because we we knew in the previous scene that they were coming again at half five.
1: Well, I mean, it actually cuts to the clock and it shows it's two twenty three.
0: Was that the start of the scene or the end of the scene?
1: It was uh, just before he says you have to wait three hours.
0: Oh, there you go. I, well, I think I had the thought just before it cut to it then because I remember thinking that before they they confirmed what time it was.
1: Uh, it it was it was. Yeah, either just before or just after then, it was around then it could yeah. be the clock, it said 2.23
0: I, def- I distinctly remember having that thought and then obviously they showed the clock, I think that maybe the second view and I was taking notes down and wasn't looking yeah. at the, the screen because
1: I wrote down 2.23 just in case, even though I was like, I know that's only just because it's there just to confirm, you know, three hours yeah. but I'd write down anyway
0: yeah, but it tells you I wasn't looking at the clock the second time because I just wrote down 2.30 because it was roughly oh, there you 2.30 go. Um,
1: missing valuable numbers here Numbers numbers <laughs> are key,
0: you know this so, there's a couple of small things I really like. I, I like that uh, Rodney There's this little thing after Bradley sits down where he just kind of nudges the milk jug towards him to yeah. say, here, have your breakfast. But he doesn't say anything. He just...
1: Yeah, it's like, look, get some normalcy, routine. Uh, you, you'll stop worrying about it.
0: Some c- cereal at 2.30, yes, normalcy. Uh, that, uh, to be fair,
1: come on. What, what, what time did you have your cereal after watching this for the second time?
0: It was p.m., okay, but still, late p.m., but, look, just because I'm saying that, admittedly, like, my sleeping schedule and the way I, my schedule in general, is, yes, very weird. You and, are
1: the last person to criticise them for getting up at two 2.30. Do you
0: know what it is? They're so well put together. Do you know what it is? They wear suits. Men who wear suits do not sleep till the afternoon. That is my belief.
1: They do if they're rich enough not to give a damn.
0: But I feel like if you're rich enough not to give a damn, you don't you wouldn't wear the suit. You'd you'd be a t shirt, you'd be comfortable.
1: you well, if you want to wear a suit. Suits are cool.
0: Okay, okay. Okay. I just I, I think it just it, it contradicted my I guess my my assumptions about I, I, rich I think gangsters.
1: Honestly, <laughs> I think the suits are not because it's comfortable, I think it's just the idea of you know, they're they're just reaffirming themselves that they've got the money, they've got the power. Yeah, uh, you know, it's the same that that they have the big house just because because they can. Well,
0: that's fair, that's fair. Uh so that's all I've got down there. Uh, more more stuff on his dream in a little bit. Uh, back to Lucky Seven, this is basically Cooper uh B- Bushnell's taking him out to get, you know, picked up with the limo. Same limo driver from episode uh, four that'd have been. Uh yep. which he points out, he's like, Yeah, hey, Red Door. But obviously before he goes out. He looks over and he sees a vision of the uh, the one armed man yes. uh, red curtain, kinda like he's seen before, sort of signalling him over, sort of leading him to some leading them to a place. And then it was when I looked I know what's the sign it said, it was a coffee shop. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting, what's he getting in there? And then he walks up with this big box and I'm like, Well that's not coffee. Unless he bought like you know, they sell like you know, bags <laughs> of coffee beans. It's just like a big stack of like yeah, bags yeah, of coffee yeah. beans in there. It's like he's bought something, right? He's bought something in this giant, giant box. No idea what it is. He gets yeah. in the limo and the also Um Was there anything else in that scene? Actually, I wanted to point out. Um, oh, just there uh, when Bushnell sort of gives him a little punch in the chin, you know, knock him dead, and he sort of like holds his mouth and goes dead.
1: Yeah, he holds his face for a long time. Yeah, like, right. Like as he's being pushed into the limo, he's still holding it.
0: I think. I think it's this weird thing where maybe when he was in the lodge, it felt like being dead. Like you know, like he went to an afterlife or something like that, or mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's what's kind of triggering. I'm not sure, but de- definitely, yeah. you know, definitely a thing. Alright, so he gets in the car, he gets in the limo. We have, and this is where I was sort of doing the contrast between like you know how dismal and chaotic Twin Peaks is right now to uh, last week. Obviously, there's more later on with the uh, characters being happy with them, but. You know, that's very delightful drive with this very upbeat version of Viva Las Vegas playing. Yeah. and You know, it's just its all nice breezy.
1: Which I thought was really weird because it was part, like some of the first music in a long time in the episode. Like, I had gone a long time without music.
0: Yeah, there was some Sinister stuff uh, with Becky in that. Early uh, very on. early
1: on. Like, yeah. Pretty much after that Becky stuff through to like here, there was nothing almost.
0: Hmm. It was very upbeat though. I actually kind of enjoyed the little... The little ride in the car on the way. Yeah, over. I
1: did too. It was, it was just nice, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Because um, as much as you know the brothers want to kill him, and admittedly we also know he's got a $30 million check for him in his pocket, which admittedly usually you know, stops people it, from murdering it, him.
1: It usually does. I mean, that's <clears> sad, They can kill him and take
0: the check anyway. They can do. They can do. But for some reason you feel comfortable. You feel like he's going to be okay.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very confident scene for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, you, you feel like... I mean, he's not aware that he's confident, but we feel confident that he's okay. And it's almost yeah, I think like, it's, it's
1: also you know the fact that we just had that vision from the one on man going it's like there's a plan in place. Y-
0: yeah, there is a plan in place, and I think it's a very particular plan that we can we can actually very <laughs> specifically can, detail We can the it. plan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Brawls are in the desert. They're they're in the car and uh, on the car themselves at first. And Bradley's like conflicted because he's like, oh, but he killed eight the spike for us, and he's like, that wasn't for us. And you know, Ron, like, no, we're we're gonna kill him. And he's like, yeah, we're, we are gonna kill him. But he can't let his dream go. He keeps bringing up the dream, and he says, "You know, in the dream, your candy cut was healed. You know, the, the cut that Candy gave him with the, the remote last episode." And he's like, "Don't be ridiculous; it couldn't be." And he, you know, he leans over and pulls off the pulls off the plaster uh, band aid for uh, people who don't understand plaster, uh, and it's it's healed, it's gone. And he's like, "Damn it!" And he's like, "There's more, but I can't remember it." And he can't remember it right at that moment. Not the theme of the episode, actually, because you know, yeah. with all the other characters forgetting what they'd been seeing. Yeah.
1: No, that's true this is the big thing with dreams though isn't it you know like you, you don't remember but then you'll see something it'll, it'll jog your memory and all of a sudden it'll come rushing back to you
0: but it, that almost works with the idea that anything that's lodge related you know whether it's dreams being beamed into a head kind of like with cooper and yeah. be here with uh with bradley uh you know it feels like a dream but even like them going to the portal and stuff still feels kind of dream it, it, it works
1: it. it also works with uh gordon and diane with the the charcoal men where they didn't really remember until until it was prompted. And then Gordon was like, oh, yeah, there was that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so they get out and Lemo pulls up. He comes out and Bradley starts freaking out. He's got a box. He had a box in my dream. He had a box in my dream. And if there's something in that box, if there's something specific. Now, it's just this one thing. Like, a million to one odds. But if there's this one thing in that box, we can't kill him. And it's like... Like, yeah, you because know, this point my mind's like, of like, "What the hell is in that box?" What's in the box? You know, I'm having flashbacks to Seven. You know, out in the desert. What's in the box? <laughs> yeah. like, uh, but we okay. knew yeah. it. He's like you didn't get that in a coffee shop. But yeah, we knew we went into a coffee shop to get whatever this is. So there's yeah. only a limited number of things it could realistically be. Right. It's it's really weird. And even even all the things I could think of, I couldn't think of anything would be in this type of box. You now, to be fair, the thing that's in the box, I wouldn't think would be in this box either. It's almost like they ran out of the proper boxes they use for giving out. That's, it is
1: exactly that yeah
0: yeah and he's like oh we've just got one of these is this okay that's what it kind of kind of felt like uh but he's like and he whispers it to his brother like, Bradley. whispers it to ron and he's like right you know we don't hear it and, and i thought i thought we were gonna wait until we saw it before we know what it was um but then there's that really exciting moment where where's like okay fine whatever And he pulls out the gun and he holds it up to cooper and he's like is that a cherry pie in that box and i flip my cheered. shit i i like cheered i was like yes cherry pie I cannot like be- it's twin Peaks I cannot believe that they they kept the cherry pie off screen all this time to give us this triumphant moment where the cherry pie saves his life because because what's happening right so he goes over he looks in the box it's a cherry pie which by the way I loved the uh, blue of delivery That's where he's like cherry pie like, he really accents the pie uh, I actually thought he was great like Bel- he's not an actor that I would consider particularly good but he I think he's killing it in this this season uh, yeah. every t- every time he's annoyed at Candy and he like stares at her in this sort of weird like mm. what is wrong with you women sort of look uh, here with the pie and then when he gets the check and he's all round up and he's like oh, 30 million like all of his expressions are great is. but so the pie's there and he's like the pie was in my dream and that means we can't kill him now obviously they're quite happy after that because he frisks someone he gets the check and they're happy they've got 30 million dollars and you know it ends with uh, the scene ends with Ron going I love this guy or no it's Bradley who <laughs> says that but whatever but like they say, I it love doesn't this matter. guy it's, which is so it's- Flipped yeah. from before, so here's what's happened then, right? Because he has a dream that if he has a cherry pie in a box, he's not his enemy. The one-armed man gives a vision to Cooper to make sure he's got a box with a cherry pie in it. Yeah, quite it's pretty cl- clear
1: that, that he he put the dream
0: there. It, yeah, just, just like in you know back in season one of Twin Peaks when the dream was pumped into Cooper and you know the man from the other place was there, uh, Laura or Laura's cousin or whatever you want to call her, she was there it feels like this was them giving him a message to make sure. It's like they're protecting Cooper, or he's protecting Cooper. Uh, oh, definitely. It, very much so. And not even just protecting, it's almost like he's making sure he has allies, because this is the thing, this whole end of the episode, like they, they starting call, call him his well, they're, friend. They're
1: friends, yeah. And I'm like, I think it's it's possibly the most clear-cut the show's been. You know, it's very clear. This, You know, that was the dream, it was given yeah. by that, this was the plot. This is exactly what was supposed to happen. Also, just want to point out, cherries are red. Thank you for that. <laughs> I, I I know I know I just I just I like they cherry indeed, pie
0: because yes. red Ch- cherries are red indeed. Uh, so oh, no fanta- fantastic scene. Like I I was like edge edge of the seat the whole time. And then when he said cherry pie, I just I I literally like cheered. I was like yes, cherry pie. This is fantastic. I I and the funny thing is, is I never thought of, like a pie or a cake or anything. It, like that it's because they throw you off with the box because you'd expect yeah, you know exactly. a flat almost like a pizza box. But when he says it. It's like, you could buy a cherry pie in a coffee shop. Exactly. You, uh, this is insane. This is all working, and you know it's going to be there before he opens it because you know that this has been orchestrated. You know the one yeah, you man know has made sure plan, this is, yeah. yeah, Like it's great stuff, and it's like. So not only that, it, all I could think after this was like, you know, Mister Todd and Doppelkoop, Cooper's kind of got an army now. Like he's building alliances he, he it's like because one of the things we' mentioned about the scene with Bushnell is that there's a small bit where Anthony's like walking past the window and he's like oh what's going on here and he's like very concerned and I just I love the idea that uh like they've concocted this plan to get you know doogie killed from the Mitchum brothers and it's all completely flipped and now they're best friends and now yeah. this is like oh this is blown up worse than it could you could have possibly imagined so after that, I love you, guy. We cut to a, a restaurant, it's a sort bar a restaurant. Kind of, you know, guy playing piano over in the corner. Very, very nice atmosphere. And they're toasting. They've had dinner, uh, drinking champagne. They're toasting to uh, you know the pirate saved your life, and there's you know funny stuff where Dougie keeps trying to take his drink, and he's you know, yeah. Uh, See red seats. I did notice the red seats. Um, there was also uh, like the there was there was a, a lot of little just odd bits of red throughout this episode that I thought was. Uh,
1: yeah, I've got one coming up in a minute. That is, you know, it's a nothing thing, but it's still red. So I'm going to play out.
0: <laughs> Fair. uh So yeah, so so they're, they're sitting there, they're blah blah blah, uh, and they're all happy. And that's when I mentioned earlier that an orphanage was brought up. The, the, these brothers mentioned they came from an orphanage because they're saying, "Oh, your kid doesn't have a a, a claiming a gym, gym set, gym set." Yeah, you know. Uh, and so oh, even our orphanage had that. And so, well, right away that tells me a lot about you two and why you two were so determined to make something. It, of it yourselves. tells you why they're so close as well, and like yeah. why they're
1: why they living together because because they, they never they had. don't know any other way.
0: Yeah, never really had parents, so they they, they relied on each other. Yeah, it, it's amazing how yeah. much depth we have with these two characters. who seem like I don't feel like we're going to get a lot of screen time from them now. Uh, we'll probably see them again, but that, I feel like these this episode and last week's are probably the most screen time they're going to get. Probably, yeah. It feels that way. So. The pianist, like he's playing something kind of jolly or whatever, and then it goes sad. Turns into this sad composition.
1: He's got some nice red roses on his piano as well.
0: That's a very, very fair point. Um, this is a new composition. Um, I actually even uh, contemplated that the, the pianist may even be the composer. Uh, it is not. It doesn't look anything like him. Uh, but it, it seemed like the sort of cameo he could have had potentially Yeah. Uh, yeah. If it was him. Uh, but it's a new composition. Um, I believe the track is called Heartbreak or Heartbreaking. And Cooper notices this, and it he really pays attention to it and While this is playing the the old lady at the casino when he was Mr jackpots uh walks into the room and she's you know got a nice sort of dress on and she's with, with, who turns out to be her son she's out for a nice dinner or whatever and she comes up to Cooper and i've out, i've just i've noted down kind of a couple of things she said here uh she said her life is fixed, and she said a bunch of things like I wanted to thank you." And she looks at the, the brothers and says, he's a really special person. Mm. Uh, I'm happy that I got a chance to say thank you. I'm happy that I saw you again. Now, the way I read into this, and again, the music playing the piano just works beautifully with this, is that as much as she was like a comedy, she was a little comedy moment, you know, there's little yeah. comic scenes when she was in the, those casino episodes, I like this idea, again, going against 20 Peaks being in chaos and being a sad place right now, that Cooper simply being around, even though he's not all there... He's making things better for everyone. Exactly, he's making things better yeah. for everyone around him. And then the second thing I'd read into this scene is I think real Cooper's back soon. Because she says, I'm glad I get a chance to thank you. And to me, yeah. that says he's not going to be like this for a long time. And, uh,
1: some of the, you know, This is one of those ones that red bits that I was saying is tiny and probably yeah. nothing, but I think reinforces the idea that this is a, a more serious thing to take away rather than a comedy beat, mm. is her nails are painted red.
0: There you go. It's and, a yeah, smaller, you, 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 but, but, they're, yeah.
1: They're, they're very visible though, because she puts her hand on his shoulder. And it's very, it's very visible of them.
0: After this, uh, the girls come in uh, again, all in a kind of a straight line, very sort of almost choreographed the way they they came in. works yeah. quite nice. The music's back to being kind of jolly again. And I did note note down that Can- the way Candy is actually is not that different to Do- you know Cooper here. Like no, the way-
1: she's very vacant.
0: She has, you know she's not listening, she's asked again, she brings up the traffic. she says it was really busy, and I think it was just before you get to that she was they asked her
1: where where have you been like where are you like mm-hmm. uh, it was like you know not obviously physically they were asking yeah you know, why are you late
0: but and we speculated last week going with our theory with Jerry where he's kind of feeling things that Cooper is feeling or should be feeling, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like you know the interdimensional wires are being crossed or whatever and like people people are feeling other things and we suggested maybe candy's feeling something like that for someone else since you mentioned the traffic in LA or in not LA, uh, las vegas was not that bad it just made me think there like what if she's actually really talking about the traffic in twin peaks yeah
1: which is what i was thinking here when they asked where were you and obviously they just mean you know why were you late but for yeah. her it could be like physically like like mentally where were you
0: yeah yeah and that that's what her response means that could that could be right. I don't know.
1: I really think we're reaching with this whole theory, but I like it enough that we just stick with it and go with it.
0: the fun thing is, is it may never be proven right or wrong, but it could still fit into everything so I, I think so far everything kind of works for it, and it's built
1: mm. so until they until they prove it wrong
0: I can see it I can see it so so yeah, so they they ask them to bring in the pie. I also noted one of my favorite reaction shots was uh Belushi. you know after she tells the story about the traffic, and he's just sort of like, <laughs> yeah. he just he steals out for a good little while, Uh and Cooper starts eating the cherry pie. They bring out the cherry pie, uh, that he puts it down, and he starts spoiling it down, and the, the the brothers have a bite as well, and they're like, oh that's damn good. And this, this, was, this was the moment I was talking about, earlier I was talking about Bobby and I said that for a moment it was like he slipped into his old acting routine, like his yeah. he's, 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 he's composure changed, everything. When Cooper repeats, because he does repeat the line, he says damn good first and then Cooper says damn good, but when he says damn good this time, unlike every other time he said it, it sounded like Cooper. Well
1: that's it, it he almost, you can almost hear the smile. Yeah. Like, but whereas before, whenever he repeats things, it's still that vacant, monotone voice.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's whereas, legitimately sounded like he was Cooper again for a second. Like, it went back, obviously, yeah. right after the line, but it was noticeable. And obviously, I think, it, I think it's well, intentional for a start. But yeah. and if it is intentional, which I think it is, I think it's really impressive that Kel McLachlan can do that. Can just slip into it slightly for a line and then slip back out of it, and just yeah. I,
1: I definitely think it's intentional
0: because
1: I think if it wasn't, Lynch would have gone do it again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah, because he's David Lynch. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the only, my only the only dispute, I guess, for me saying, "Oh, I think this is over soon," because the old lady's like, "Oh, I'm glad I get a, thing, a chance to thank you," is almost as if it's before you stop being you and you start being yeah uh, Cooper again. Uh, is maybe that the driver and Twin Peaks saying we've got miles to go? If I if I am comparing that to what's going on, that maybe that's a sign that it's the opposite.
1: But, yeah, but then, but then, this damn good was. You know, that's the closest he's he's ever been to Cooper all, all, all season. Like, and it feels like that's it. He's almost there. Like, there, want, there was a glimpse of him for once.
0: I do want to point out the next episode is tit- well, not titled, but you know, the those teases? Yeah, yeah, the tease for the next episode is simply, let's rock. I can't wait. <laughs> that that could be something important. That could be. Uh, so yeah, I've just written down "damn good." I didn't write down my thoughts. I knew what I knew what it meant. Yeah, uh, I just put "damn good" as well. Yeah, uh, and then the final sort of moment is that you know it says "get more pie for a friend here," and Cooper almost on the verge of tears, seemingly probably just because his mouth stuffed a cherry pie and he can't speak properly. But it's almost like he's about to cry happy tears as he says, "friend." And i thought it was really interesting
1: that the friend instead of just being a vacant repeat almost sounded like a a question like yeah, yeah. friend like you consider me a friend now
0: and then like they, they're very happy with them they smile back at them. and that's when it goes to the because i i predicted the pianist would probably be the end yeah. of the episode like kind of like instead of the the bar but yeah it just feels more natural doesn't it and it went to the pianist and he ended his piece and then it went back into the same sad music from before and that that's what played us out uh Absolutely astonishing! Yes, fantastic episode. Wonderful hour of TV. I there was not a dull moment from start to end. This was this was packed tight. It hit the ground running right from the get go with all the Becky stuff. It was it was uh, intense. It was mysterious. Then we had the vortex stuff, and then we had that fantastic you know the diner scene, which gave us a lot of character, but then gave us that random shooting, which was like just what what the hell happened. And then we got all this Cooper stuff, which and, you, and you've missed the whole stuff with Hawk with the man. So, yeah, like that. This, this <laughs> it was, was packed. This was packed. It's it's almost like I wish you'd divvied this between this and last week and said, right, let's, let's shuffle a couple of things around. And but like I say, last week's last week's been a bit of a down episode. Won't matter when you binge watch it later. So I'm and not, we're... I'm
1: not concerned and, about. And it. ultimately, this episode is better because it has stuff. That if you'd split it up into last week's, you know, mm. and put some of this stuff in there, this episode wouldn't have been as great because it wouldn't have had all of it.
0: Yeah, this was balls to the walls. It really feels like things are turning up. Like, you know, we're, we're heading to someplace dark, you know, going to the Black Fire, going to all this stuff, and uh, Cooper sounding like Cooper for a fleeting moment. And, you know, I've kind of accepted that if we don't get Cooper until the final episode, like, I'll, I'll live with it. If, that, if that's what Lynch's vision is, if that's what his plan always was, yeah, like, it's, that's fine. It's
1: maybe it's, it's a little disappointing because you want more of it. Just because you know that's that's what you go in wanting, isn't it? So it's disappointed by that nature, but at the same time, it's like I get it.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. This isn't a prediction, but I'm just I'm suggesting one way it might happen. Go on. And not in terms of what causes it, just of how it's handled as a as a from filmmaking as a moment point yes. of view. Um, you know how at the start of the show, because one of my favourite things every time the the opening title start up in this is that it's quiet, and then as the title comes in, the the theme kicks in. Yeah, part of, and you know, it's the first episode it had the, the photo of Laura and it kicked in part of me almost wants it to be the end of an episode so maybe the end of next week say where his facial expression just changes and as it changes the main theme kicks in and it goes to credits
1: uh, I get it, I, I'm convinced but, the moment that we we know that Cooper's back it'll just be him smile. it'll just do that smile it'll just be the smile, yeah I can that, see that, it because that's all you need, you go, that's it, Cooper's back I, I, I'm convinced that's what it'll be
0: Maybe in the mirror. Like, I I can almost see him looking in the mirror and seeing like like they can have Bob in the mirror again, but Bob will fade away, and then Cooper will smile. Like I could see, I could see that being like maybe, a, a moment maybe. or something.
1: like that. It could do. I think the mirror maybe has too much connotations with maybe yeah you know, the negative side of things. So maybe just showing it straight into his face is like no, this is Cooper. There's no hidden truth to it.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Uh, this was fantastic. I'm sure there's some small stuff that we did miss. Uh, by all means, let us know in the comments. Uh, thoughts and theories about everything that popped up there. Uh, Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Helps us out a lot. Get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates. If you want to support the channel and everything we do, head over to patreon.com slash mailedfuzzTV. Check out some of the bonuses over there. Sorry, this is a few hours later than normal this week. Um, Scheduling and stuff. Uh, Also, when we talk longer, it takes longer to go up.
1: (laughs) And essentially, basically... Blame Game of Thrones existing on the same night now, because we have to schedule that in as well.
0: I do blame with, that with Matt. That said, that said, I I keep pushing pushing Connor to be ready to go earlier every week, so that we can try and get this out before he has to do Game of Thrones. Maybe one week I will be successful.
1: Maybe, maybe.
0: Uh, he's not promised that in the slight little. So this is the problem. We see.
1: We're we're, at the, we're coming to the end of the month now and I do not have my work rotor for next month yet. So we're going to have to see where things line up.
0: Oh dear. Um, but you know, don't worry. Uh, don't worry, Peaks fans. Peaks gets priority. It always gets priority. I, I ensure it gets priority because I don't care about Game of Thrones and I'm the one running the show. So Peaks gets priority. So thank you very much for watching. Let us know what you thought of the episode again in the comments and all that stuff. And uh, hopefully hopefully we'll be back next week if the world doesn't end and you know the sky doesn't open up and suck us all in i'm just babbling now we've been on so long thanks for watching guys we'll see you next time have you got any vanilla